It's gone! It's a grand slam! And that's the ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell. Hello there. Welcome to the Prospects Baseball Show, episode 26. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when it is you are uh, listening to this. We're just glad you've downloaded it. Uh, really excited about this uh, episode. Of course, uh, my co-host, Jordan Blundell, the head coach and the AGM of the Edmonton Prospects is with me. How are you, buddy? Como estas, Dino? Uh, I think that means uh, you're doing well. I'm doing well. All right. <laughs> I'm doing well as well. I, I like that we're, our show is now bilingual. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, our good friend, Jeff Crushell from Crush Performance. You can check it out at crushperformance.com. Crusher? Great to have you in Podcast Alley. Yeah, How are you? man. I'm really happy to be here, fellas. Looking forward to this for a long time. All right. So we're going to talk to with uh, Jeff throughout the show about uh, a number of things. We're going to talk on Major League Baseball free agency, um, and we're going to talk about uh, what the Blue Jays need. We're going to Larry Walker. We're going to talk some development. Uh, really quickly, um, how are things going with the Ultimate Sports Pass? And, and maybe give our listeners just a, uh, yeah, a quick refresher yeah. as, you know what, perfect stocking stuff yeah really is uh so we launched this program with uh fc edmonton the edmonton stingers and the edmonton eskimos football club uh last week it's uh the ultimate sports pass uh great for sports fans in the city of edmonton 79 dollars. it gets you four tickets and they're flex tickets so you can use them at any one of the sporting venues um $79 gets you in. So you could take all four tickets to, to one, split them up, twos and twos. You could buy a couple different sets of them. Pick your games, right? Pick your games. Uh, and, and what we found as a business is, is the flexibility is always, uh, has continued to increase. The more that we're able to provide flexibility to our customers, uh, the more responsive they've been. So for us, this is a great opportunity to join forces with three other great organizations, three other great sports organizations, and piggyback off all our successes and trying to work towards a common goal, which is more fans in the stands. Awesome. And uh, would be great under the tree, in the stocking, mm -hmm. uh, whatever. And uh, you never know, maybe uh, maybe you can win one on a podcast coming up <laughs> uh, before Christmas. We'll keep you uh, posted on details about that. If you, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can on Twitter at ProspectsPod. You can get Jordan at Jordan Blundell 4. Uh, I'm at Duck Millard, and you can get the prospects at uh, EDM Prospects. Uh, you can also uh, reach our good friend Jeff Crushell at Jeff Crush uh, on Instagram, Prospects Baseball Show. Same thing for Facebook. You can always email us, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. And uh, check out the websites, prospectsbaseballshow.ca and prospectsbaseballclub.com. Let's go around the horn. God, I'm looking at the curveball. Let's go around the horn and get the big news in baseball. All right, uh, Crusher, what have you thought of uh, free agency so far? You know, we saw Zach Wheeler get his deal. We saw Cole Hamels. And those are kind of the fringe um, as compared to the big guys. 
Now we see Steven Strasburg, seven years, $245 million. The table is set here for an exciting year. And of course, you guys, coming off, off of last year's controversial free Quiet. agency yeah. uh, issues. <laughs> I mean, you know, we still had significant free agents going into the all-star break who were yet to be signed. Um, I'm honestly been really anxious to see what happens here this year. I think the table set. And if you look at who's available this year, we have 15 players that um, are really, really grade A valued players who are available right now. And that doesn't even count the other guys who are available. So the table set, it's going to be a very exciting year, especially with the push. And I don't want to say the animosity, but the relationship and the importance of the relationship with the Players Association. So that may play a role here as well. Yeah, we we were talking on Friday on Sports and More Live, Jordan, about Garrett Cole possibly getting $250 million. Well, we know for sure he's getting at least that because Steven Strasburg signed for $35 million a year today, yep. seven years, and he's two years older than Garrett Cole. Yeah, done deal. Cole, Cole's going to push 280, might might get close to three because they're going to put term. million. They're going to push, push term up to nine to nine or 10. That means, how, how, how that means 300. Okay, so just crystal ball time. <laughs> when do we see a half a billion dollar player? <laughs> yeah, it's coming. I think it. I think it's going to happen. Five hundred million. Yeah, dollars. I think if you look at some of the young talent coming up in the game right now, and the landscape that's going on, and the way the game is changing, the globalization of the game, the way the potential restructuring of the minor leagues, there's going to be a yeah. lot of revenue opening up here if things go according to plan. But either way, listen, baseball is stronger than ever. Though, if you guys look at it, attendance was down last year, right? A and little the, bit. The ratings slightly, were down too. Slightly. You you had mentioned yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, slightly. Ratings were down, but there's so many different options yeah. to view the games now. I mean, it's you probably have actually gone up because of all the other viewerships. Yeah, definitely, viewership. viewership and integration with the game is yeah. at an all time high, and it's just getting stronger. So Garrett Cole, um, the the word was he was going to sign early in the winter meetings, and and the and the Nationals beat the uh, beat Cole to it by signing Strasburg for seven years, two hundred and forty five million dollars, and reportedly Brian Cashman had an offer ready to come to the winter meetings with. Well, he has to be redoing that uh, that offer now. It, it was probably around the $250 million. I'm guessing... Like, are the Yankees... I'm guessing they knew the number on Strasburg. Like, there was no secret there. Rumors. Like, rumors were eight years, 250 to 280 million. Those were the rumors floating around. For Cole? Yeah, for, for Cole, yeah. yeah. I would, yep, th I would think 280. They're yep. coming in with the truck saying, here it is. Then the Angels and Dodgers will have an opportunity to up it because Boris is the agent. Boris is going to take that and shop it. Although the Yankees aren't a team that you shop. Usually the Yankees are the team that comes in late. So it may be positioned that go to the Angels and Dodgers, see what they're going to do, come and talk to us. We're the team with the big bank account. We always step up. So that's how the Yankees have operated in the past. Right, but I think they're going in for, they were trying to go in first mm -hmm. with Garrett Cole on this one to say we're going to have the biggest offer. But it listen, it's not like the the safe is small for Artie Moreno, <laughs> you know, like this <laughs> or the like, Dodgers. Yeah, or or the Dodgers. It's not like either of those guys are, uh, you know, rubbing a couple of pennies together trying to make a dollar. Like those guys have you you have three of the biggest franchises as far as money bidding on one of the best pitchers in the game, or it's maybe the open. best pitcher. If of the you game. look at the last two years as well, guys, you know the way they've been handling their payrolls. They've been setting up 
for this. Yeah. Yeah. They the Dodgers been, purged last year with uh, getting rid of guys. For one reason and one reason only because they knew it was coming down the pipeline, possibly coming down the pipeline this year. And here it is. They're, they're, you're right. This is going to be an epic um, all three uh, payday for the free guy. agents. Yeah. And they've all managed their they've all managed their <laughs> payrolls where it's very very doable. So what happens when two of the three don't get this guy? Strasburg's off. Well, the board. that's what I'm saying. Like, how surprising? First of all, are you that Strasburg returns to Washington? Uh, on one hand, he's a god. He's a World Series MVP. He's a first overall pick of that organization. Harper is gone. He is now the legend of the Washington Nationals. He's delivered a title. For him to go back there. Um, you know what? It's just like he's he's going to be revered. I like if, it. if he leaves, people are like, "Oh, then he went to another." He has an, he has an opportunity to put himself in legendary status in an organization that does not have a lot of history. That it, you know that it respects <laughs> after Montreal. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. No, so, for sure. So, oh, no. are you surprised that he's going back? Uh, I'm not. I was kind of hoping he would go back. I was kind of fearful he would go somewhere else. This is one of the greatest things that happened to baseball in my mind in, in recent times. I love the fact that a player is actually probably he probably could have got more money somewhere else. I mean, Might it's have. a it's a nice chunk of money. Don't get me wrong, but if he shopped around, I like that he's going back to where he came from and that he's gonna. He's going to help that team continue their push to be successful because let's face it, what they've done, what that team has done in the last couple of years, and would you guys call it a risk with the Harper move, or was it a was it a was it an educated move, a strategic calculated, edu- risk? calculated risk for sure? Um, that could have backfired big time. This team, oh my goodness, they are now poised. Yeah to be a contender for years to come. And I think he wanted to be part of that. To play devil's advocate, it's a tough act to live up to. I mean, when you you come (laughs) off World Series MVP and then you sign a $35 million deal, uh, you start struggling and people are going to be wanting your head. So it's it's maybe it's safer to go back to where you came from. You get a little bit more leeway, a little bit more rope if you do end up struggling than if you go be the the big dog free agent sign and you come out the gate slow. Right. But coming back to Washington, he has a lot to live up to. Or do you think that they're like, ah, do whatever you want. We got our title. They they, they got a little uh, hangover championship. So he's hang- got a long leash. If I he think struggles. there's a leash. I think there's a leash. I agree. I agree. They're going to be pushing it. Don't get me wrong. They are, they're set up right now. They're really set up for success. And I, I, I'm telling you, I, I think he wanted to be, I think he loved what he saw there. And I think he just wants to be part of it. That's, that's, I think that's part of this deal. This isn't just money. He can get the money anywhere. He could have, yeah. Oh, for sure. So the one guy who's probably not going to be part of that deal now is Anthony Rendon. Like there's, Uh, there's not a chance the Nationals can, unless he takes like the biggest hometown haircut of all time. Uh, and now we're hearing the Texas Rangers and the LA Dodgers. Um, either team a better fit for Anthony Rendon, in your opinions? It's a great question. It's a really great question. No, I don't. I don't. I. I don't think so. Like, if you look at where he's at in his career, I think the Rangers might be a little farther away than where he would want to be. Uh, but the Rangers are an incredibly exciting team to watch right now. You know, with the new management right now, the new coaching staff, they're really reworking. What they did last year was actually quite impressive if you look at where they're at. And they've got the new stadium. Their fan base yeah. is going to be fanatical for the next five years because yeah. this new stadium is going to be the crown jewel of baseball. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting that uh, a little bit later. But Crusher's got a good point. He can go from World Series champion to perennial NL West division winner. Um, you know, you move Redbeard, and he's already said he's willing to uh, to move positions. Do you think the Dodgers are a better fit for Rendon? 
to pursue championships, yes. Uh, it, I just, it's unfortunate that the Nats can't re-sign him. I don't. I mean, they let Harper go because of Soto because they knew they had the next Albert Pujols coming from the left side there. Okay, we can let Harper walk. We can use that money next year. I don't see the replacement in Rendon. It would have to be a Josh Donaldson. So they must be heavy in on on the backup plan. I mean, you can't just lose a four-hole hitter and expect to be able to produce the same kind of offense that you just did to have that guy in the middle of the lineup in the playoffs that got it done. That's a that's a huge hole to replace, just as Strasburg would be. So they must have a plan B. Um, as far as Rendon to L.A., oh, my goodness, would that be awesome? They need a right-handed <laughs> power bat. Yep. Uh, and I agree. Like, Crush is right, man. Like, Texas is probably two or three years away from being a perennial or a, a powerhouse if they're able to get to that level. I don't think they're there yet. But then you dangle this brand-new toy of a beautiful <laughs> new ballpark, and he's from Texas. So now you're, you're tugging at the heartstrings here. So what a great position for Anthony Rendon to be in. Yeah. Dodgers that perennial will spend, will try and get it done, or go home, play in a brand new, brand new house. You're going to build it. It's going to be you. Built around you. Yeah, and yeah. really, and like Adrian Beltre just went through that in Texas, and, and he's revered. So a star shows up, does well in Texas. Look how Beltre has been treated now, so... Uh, would be a soft landing for him there too. This is what I hope happens: is that uh, Rendon uh, is talking with the Dodgers, uh, and then he gets a beep and uh, switches over to the other line, and it's the Texas Rangers. And I hope <laughs> this is what he tells the Texas Rangers. Let me think it over, will you, Charlie? I got a guy <laughs> on the other line about some white walls. I'll talk to you later. Uh, I love uh, I love dropping in as much uh, a Lou Lou Brown Lou. Uh, <laughs> sweet Lou quick clips as we can, but uh, it, it's going to be interesting. The yeah. other guy that is a really interesting name is Madison Bumgarner, oh. and you know they're talking about it, it's interesting. Um, we talked about this on Friday. Strasburg, they're talking two forty five. Mad bum, they're talking a hundred million. Is it simply the wear and tear? You know, even Strasburg has had injury problems, but Mad Bum has all those extra playoff innings on his arm. Is that why he, the money is so much less? He's, he's older, obviously, uh, but his resume is is amazing. Where's Mad Bum right now in all this? Yeah, I think that hundred million dollar mark seems to be sort of the ceiling for him in a five year scenario, something like that, right? Um, yeah, I think it is. I think it's the wear and tear there. But don't get me wrong. He's a type of player I think could settle in and really prove his worth. And that, that could just be the start of the next phase for him. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, way, the way we're managing and developing players now, it's like never before, fellas. And, and the way Bumgarner goes about his business, um, he's a pro's pro. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is just the start for him. We talked Dangerous. on Friday just about where this guy fits into a pitching staff now. Yeah. Well, if you're a playoff team and, and Mad Bum's your three or oh. four kind of starting the regular season and you have playoff aspirations, what what a great situation oh. for your staff to be in. Like, I love them with the Braves. That'd be a great fit. Um, I read today the Twins are in on that. I mean, I can't see him doing Midwest. He's in North Carolina was been out on the West Coast. I can't see him going to the middle of the country. Yeah, I think he's going closer to home. And you got Philadelphia looming with money, and they need a veteran presence on that pitching staff. So, like, you're looking at a couple guys right now where they're, the supply and demand, um, there's more demand. Yeah. So, Mad Bum going to get paid, probably 120. 
JD's looking at potentially getting a four-year deal. Four-year deal mm-hmm. that I saw. I just just seeing this now. So the, these players that have a proven track record, they the, and, and Jeff alluded to this earlier with the CBA coming up, and maybe the the purse strings are a little looser because they need to go into some negotiations with the PA. Okay. They need to make sure that they're taking care of players here right away before they get into those negotiations. Money might flow a little freer than it did last year as they tightened the purse strings and, frankly, pushed some players out. Mm-hmm. And, and we are still seeing that. Like KP, Pilar, who for me personally I think is is a three-and-a-half outfielder, um, KP got pushed out of San Fran, like yeah. a nine million qualifying. Like he's he going to get $5 million for one year. And he's proven 20-plus bombs, put up his numbers, say he's a big leaguer. He doesn't have a job. You're not going to have a job for a while. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Donaldson. Uh, Alex Anthopoulos uh, gave him a one-year deal last year, uh, 20, 23. $23 yeah. million. Now he's looking at a four-year deal. Um, I, I like the idea of a one-year deal a lot more than a four-year deal for Josh Donaldson. Although no, there's risk. The most important statistic of his last year is probably that he played 155 games. Right. I, I'm surprised we're not seeing more shorter-term deals right now. Just the way in the landscape is. I, I thought we would see um, from the team side, but also from the player side. I, I, I'm I'm kind of intrigued with these you know, eight-year deals in these five, seven-year deals. Five is sort of the ceiling for me, I think, in terms of mm-hmm. being able to manage from the player side as well, from the player side as well, because everybody knows organizations go through cycles. And if you get caught in the downturn of one of those cycles, it could be a long, yeah, yeah, yeah. hard ride, man. Yeah. That's why we and, talked about if if, if Strasbourg, maybe you, you cut the years down, but you throw dollar figures absolutely. more or something like That's, that, right? I'm surprised, especially some of these um, uh, veteran guys who are a little late Later in their careers gives them a few more options to move around and be a little more versatile though there's the risk involved right no. that's the other side so so there's a little give and take there it's a tricky game to play is there a name we haven't talked about that you think is uh um there are know? so many names out there right now <laughs> like we could literally do an entire two-hour episode if we just had a list of free agents but there's so many pieces of the puzzle that teams need to put together. So, you know, if we looked at, so we did a show uh, last year, guys, the hardest things to do in sport. And it was wide open. There were no rules on this conversation. And of course, you know, hitting the curveball, hitting the fastball, doing a quad and figure skating, gymnastics, all this stuff came out, boxing, you yeah. know, all this stuff. My, my number one hardest thing, just from, you know, sitting in those offices and being in a few of those meetings, putting together a championship team, being a GM, charged with putting together a championship team is way harder than I think people appreciate. Well, and it's it, just last week was the 29 year anniversary of Joe Carter, Roberto Alomar going to Toronto for some pretty good players. Tony Fernandez was a pretty capable shortstop. <laughs> the crime dog had just come off a 36 home run season or something. Yep. And that trade helped the Padres a little bit. They got better and it helped the Blue Jays win two World Series. And that was, a, I think that was Pat Gillick said like, hey, yeah. I, I just knew after the last year, we just needed to have more. And and he and, and what a mega deal! Like you don't see deals like that anymore. No, Pat four all stars traded for each other in, yeah. in that way. He was a master. Pat Gillick was a master. And again, you know, see, he's still quite involved in the game. To see to see how those guys operate, oh man, very very cool stuff. But you also get an appreciation. Yeah. 
of how how, yeah. how hard it is long just even long term and now today in today's landscape with the financial restraints and everything that's going on it's even more difficult today than it was even five years ago yeah all right let's talk about the jays then uh as we move along on the prospects baseball show jeff Crushell joining jordan blundell and myself dean millard um what do you see the Blue Jays, where do you see the Blue Jays right now? There's there's a lot of talk. Should they go after Ryu uh, with the Dodgers? Uh, I, I know, Jordan, and you and I talked about that last week, and you know maybe that's the agent putting that out there and because obviously that happens sometimes. Where do you think the Jays are right now in terms of their development and, and what type of free agent should they be going for? Yeah, I don't think they should be even shooting for the top guys. I know they've been really, really focused on developing their players. And by the way, I think in terms of how they operate in the minor leagues and, you know, really developing their talent internally, they're one of the top teams. And that's where they've spent a lot of pride and a lot of time focusing these last two years. And when Shapiro came on and took over, there was a massive shift in thinking over there and we've all seen it, right? And it's worked out. Some of it's worked out really well. Some of it hasn't. The dust is settling this year. So I think internally as the dust settles on how they want to move forward and there's a lot of really, really good reasons for Jays fans, obviously to be excited. I don't think they should jump in too quickly. That's just my feeling. And I don't, I, I don't really have anything to justify this other than if you look at where that core young talent uh, that mm-hmm. they have in their big league um, roster is, um, I don't think those guys are quite ready to make that massive charge yet. Does that does that even sound like make sense? Yes, that's ex- that's what we've been that's saying I think we're all along. That is that spot. you know signing Ryu for four or five years? And and here's the other thing: why the hell does Ryu want to leave the Dodgers right. for the Jays at this point in his yeah, career? It, it makes no sense yeah. that way. Um, okay, just qu- if there's a, pl- if a position pitching or hitting position player or pitching what should the jays be focused on this offseason and the, and is there a, a name or two that you have in mind uh they they need a left-handed power bat for the middle of the lineup okay. that has experience so that was justin smoke who maybe has come to the back end of his career i don't know i think there's more left for him uh, if they're going to walk away from that um i don't know what the answer is going through the the free agent listings and and who's available for me, they need somebody to help those young kids in the middle. He's got to hit in the top five. Okay. You know, four, three, four, five would be really nice to slide a lefty bat in there to help protect Bo and Vladdy. Um, you know, Gritchuk's a righty. All those seven or eight guys they got in the outfield, except for McKinley, they're right hand hitters. T. Oscar, um, who I'm not a huge fan of, by the way, but um, they need that power bat. Like Smokey was a perfect fit. If Smoke's hitting 35 a year, perfect fit. I so, don't know where they can find this though. Are are they, you know, we see the guys that came up last year and and the 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 youth. Is there pitching prospects like that on the way for the Blue Jays? Oh like yeah, we, we, they we got two big time guys coming. So yeah. let's talk about some of those guys that fans can uh, start because I, I think fans are saying, why aren't the Blue Jays going out and doing this? They got Guerrero now. They got all these guys. You have to come together at the right time. So who are some of the guys that are going to join this team in the future from from a pitching standpoint that we can get excited about, like the Guerreros and the Bichettes, et cetera? Eric Perdinho, the young Brazilian okay. who they signed, I think, two years ago, three years ago. He is rising through the ranks, and he is an easy-throwing 94, 95, 96 miles an wow. hour. Just beautiful. And he's got the right attitude. You could see him smile in the game, and you know he's going to fit in with those guys. That's the other thing you have to be careful with, bringing in a veteran guy who either is there to compete really hard or might have 
goals and objectives for this point in the career when you've got all these young guys around mm. because you bring a veteran in there who's at a different stage in their career with a different attitude about what they want to accomplish in the game if that doesn't fit into the big picture these young guys man they're having a blast right now you know that's Great point that's moneyball when 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 um they go and have the speech with david justice and Billy Bean says, the Yankees are paying you to not play. I want you to buy in to the system that we go on right here. You have to, and I'm not saying that's what the Jays are doing, but you have to bring in the right veteran that isn't going to upset the young apple cart and steer them in some negative habits the way Justice could have done sure. in that situation. Yeah, yeah, no, it's got to be right. It's got to be the right guy, so you got to be careful. And that's why I don't I don't mind they take their time and, and bring up guys from within because there is some great young talent coming up. But they do need, they do need some guidance uh, at the top they, these young guys definitely could use a uh, veteran presence on the pitching side and and in the offensive side as well so do they need a veteran pitcher this year i i think they'll add a veteran pitcher they need two or three arms in the bullpen they'll get that done in february before they go to spring training. the last few guys they'll throw some spring training invites out to mm -hmm. some guys and, and i mean that worked out last year dude closed the world sure. Series, daniel hudson yeah and they got that live arm i remember watching them on spring spring training games on TV being like, okay, that's another live arm they brought in here. I was watching the game with my mom. She's like, who's this guy? <laughs> I said, don't worry, mom. He'll be on the roster. She's like, what? He was getting hammered in spring training. Yeah. Like, he'll make the team. Trust me. Um, they'll go get a couple guys late. Uh, the Jays have proven to be uh, astute at bringing in some of those guys. Uh, they're not all going to work, but they brought in some good ones. They'll find a couple quality. Um, for me, like, like Crush said, man, like the, they're, they're a young team. I think this has all been a smokescreen that they're in on Wheeler, that they're in on these arms, Young Jun Ryu. Yeah, we're talking, it's the Jays to position themselves as players down the line. Mm -hmm. They are willing to talk big money right now. That gets out, that's out there for the next 12, 16 months. They will enter the game. Hopefully there's the right guy that fits in. Maybe he's 26, 27. They can make a deal to bring a guy in. I think that's where they're going to find the next kind of piece to this puzzle is through a trade and then when the when when the time is right they'll they'll strike they'll add the free agent they'll spend the money for for me that that offensive lineup is missing a guy that has done this before and they, they have tons of talent i like Kevin a ton because of the quality of that bats he takes the amount of pitches he sees mm -hmm. how he fouls pitches off you could see him mature and get out of his protective approach and be more aggressive early in counts as his season went on and he would come in and out of that and that's just that's playing possum with the other team like sure. okay we can get ahead with you no and today you can't i'll get my double so i really like his maturation Bo is obviously Bo. he's athletic he's gonna flirt with 300 probably his whole career he's got some pop vladdy's vladdy i mean he's a middle guy those those guys need somebody else so who's that gonna be i don't think it's gritchuk I, I, he's a fine player. I don't think he's a guy that can nestle right in the middle of those guys and take the load. He's a dangerous offensive player, but I don't think he's a, a 162 jump on my back boys mm -hmm. guy like Vladdy will be. So if they can find a left-handed hitter that can do that, all the better. Um, and then on the pitching staff, uh, Part Pardinho, unreal. And then they got Manoa coming yep. and Nate Pearson coming. And Nate Pearson's the dude that's flirting with 104 on right. the bump, who's a giant human being. Looks like he loves the game. Everybody loves it. He's one of those guys. He's got some energy, and he's pumping 104. 
So is that a guy that you think could be a dominant starter, or uh, would you ever look at a guy that early in his career and say, this guy at 104, giant man, could be a, one of the most dominant closers? Like, what do, you, it, it, do, the, do, do, guys, do guys go from being starters and then work their way into the bullpen, or are there guys that typically. you're like, you're going to be a bullpen guy for sure? How does uh, it work? Yeah, I, I, I don't know today anymore. Yeah. You know, <laughs> That's it, a good, it, point, it, it, typic, good point. Typically, you know, you'd say, hey, starter, to, if you're a bullpen guy, you're pretty much a bullpen guy. It's mm-hmm. very, very difficult to take an established bullpen guy and have him a starter. Like, I mean, just yeah. historically speaking. As opposed to what they did with John Schmoltz. Right. right? It's, so, it's so much easier going the other way. But if you look at how analytics is steering the game, what is this? There's not even closers anymore. What? Yeah. I think yeah. seven teams did not have a defined closer last year. Wild. Right? And so if you look at the the fact that most starters just will not see the batting order a third time, they're either going, they're not going deep into games nope. anymore. 80, the game 100. is changing. Like five innings is deep now. Five innings is really That's crazy, deep. man. Yeah, unless you have one of these veteran Tell war horses. Tell that to guys. Nolan Ryan. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> but but we're seeing a total change. And now, listen, with the expansion of the roster, yeah. what is that going to do? That, uh, that's no going to take I, I, five inning max. Yeah, and I think it might even be, it might change it even further. And that <laughs> is, that might be driven, you guys, more than, more than anything else, just player management, health management, yeah. because injury prevention is above and beyond anything else priority number one. Because yeah. everybody can play up there. Everybody can contribute. It's who's going to be healthiest longest now. It's a, it's a new era, and I, I'm not sure when the era started, if it was three years, five years, two years ago. Uh, we're right at the beginning of a new era. Yeah. And maybe it, maybe it's the player management era, or maybe it's load management, the, the yeah. NBA word. But there's a new, there was a steroid era, there was every, there's a new era that we're in. We're I don't in the know analytics been, era. Yeah. Yeah, there Good you call. go. Yeah. This Good is call. this is definitely yeah. the uh, Great call. the analytics area. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how well Larry Walker would have been perceived in the analytics area because I don't know uh, as much about baseball analytics as uh, I would like to. But I do know that I think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, you brought up the stat last week. What was it? 31%, only 31% of his at-bats at Coors Field. Or in Denver. Yeah, whatever, I got right? that off Twitter, and I believe it. I don't care what anyone says. I'm so, believing it. I'm selling it. <laughs> so that tells you, uh, you, you might say, okay, he was beneficial because he was in the Rocky Mountains. It for sure was but, it. Yeah, yeah. But only only 31% yeah. of the time. Yeah. yeah. 70%, the, the bulk of his career was played everywhere else, and he was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, I just... My favorite thing about Larry Walker is that he didn't intend to play baseball. He was <laughs> he came home for that Regina Pats camp. Yeah. He didn't make the team. He threw his goal equipment in the corner and becomes, in my opinion, the greatest Canadian baseball player ever. Yeah, and one of the greatest baseball players ever. And, you know, if you look at Leland and some of the um, um, baseball greats who were around him during his career, you wouldn't be hard-pressed to hear somebody say that he was one of the, if not the, one of the best players they've ever been around. And those are guys that have managed the greats like Barry Bonds and and many other, you know, power hitting yeah. infielders like, you know. So um, I I think it's a travesty that he, he's not on. He's not in. I mean, it's. And it, this is the last this year. This is number 10, number 10, which I think is going to push everybody forward. I hope so. I mean. Me too. A lot of people are going to look at it and say he took off when his career, uh, he took off in his career when he went to Colorado and and partly but his last year in Montreal he led major league baseball in doubles so he was he was already establishing himself as a pretty good player uh, yeah his home run totals jumped but you know what else happened 
he got into the prime of his career. Yeah. He was 28 years old when he got to Colorado. That's a prime for a guy's major league baseball career. Yeah. So you can say that the, the field aided him, but how about just being in his prime? Like that's the other thing yeah. people forget about, right? He was just becoming a better, more complete hitter. Seven golden gloves, don't forget, right? That's right. Like, I mean, his defense was impeccable. Um, his offense was great. Average 300 plus, right? His He, listen, and I, I can't remember the number, guys, but his his OPS, um, there's only four other players in the history of the game who had a career, uh, uh, career high OPS higher than him. Frank Thomas is one of them. Frank Thomas, Joe DiMaggio, uh, Muse, Muse, um, Musil and, and Mickey Mantle are the four. Nine, the only four. 965 OPS. Career OPS. That right there. That's ridiculous. That's yeah. enough to what get you in right there. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. His career average is 313. Yeah. But his OPS is 965, which is one of the more important stats in the baseball game. Absolutely. And it's the fifth highest in the history of the game. Like that's on base percentage. So the amount of times you get on, just in case anybody doesn't know, uh, whether it's uh, walks, hits, whatever, plus slugging. plus slugging. So it's the most important hitting factor. Is that the most important hitting stat? I, I think so. If you really were to break down and analyze your hitters, if you had to evaluate here, it's not. it cannot be batting average. And you know, for everybody who's just sort of a fan of the game, batting average is a very... Batting average is like goals against average yeah, in hockey. Exactly. It's a, it, it's the a goals team. against average is a team stat. It batting writes. average is if if you only look at batting average you're not looking at the complete player yeah, it's a very yeah you're right 100 percent. the the ops however gives you a fuller picture of what the player is actually capable of doing in that batter's box and i think it, you're right it, I, if i were to use one that's the one i focus on that's when we focus on when yeah. we're training the guys too that's what that's it's a huge one for you jordan in when you're looking at players uh, lineup decisions uh you know is, is that kind of the first one you zero in on when you're looking at a guy yeah, exactly. Uh, the, for, for me, the the on base uh, as, a, as a, our level is not quite the same as the big leagues, so the slugging is going to be a little bit different. Guys don't absolutely drive home runs as they would in the big leagues, um, and one of the reasons is because our park's bigger than a lot of big league parks. That's right. Yeah. But um, OPS for sure. I love on base. I think last year my summer team, um, an area that we could have been better is getting on base, especially with the amount of speed that we had. Yeah. Um, which would create more runs. Strikeouts and pop-ups are the two things that you can't get on base with. They're killers. You, yeah. you can if you put the ball in play on the ground, there's a chance they make an error. Fly balls, there's really no errors being made. They get caught. Um, so for me, on base huge. And then and then if you can couple that at, at the level I'm at with a guy that can slug it and he's pushing five or even up to six hundred in the slug. Now you're, you're talking MVP. Yeah. And so if you, if you can split gaps, steal bases, and you get on about 40% of the time, you're as dangerous a player as there is out there. Well, and, and that was Larry Walker to a T, man. Like and this is, is a guy Larry who Walker. had 29 <laughs> and 33 stolen base seasons. Yes. At the, so his MVP year, 49 home runs, 130 RBIs, 33 stolen bases, hit 366, OPS 1.172. It's That's one of the greater seasons of all time. It's insanity. 452 on base percentage. Yeah. Like that that's He's on getting on base almost half the time. Yeah, yeah. guys guys lead off games are like if you get a guy that leading off 330 yeah. Yeah, on yeah. base percentage, all right, we'll take it. 350 great. Okay, you're 350, Ooh, we like you. We're going to pay mm -hmm. you. 380? Oh, you're an all-star. Yeah. He was 450. Okay, here's another question. So, getting into the Hall of Fame, uh, should be based a lot on your numbers. 
Should it also be based on your impact in the game, though? And it's undeniable the impact Larry Walker had on the game in Canada. So you can look at Mariano Rivera, and and he impacts his country. Panama. Yeah. You can look at anybody. You can look at uh, John Smoltz. Oh, well, he had an impact. He didn't impact a whole country, though. Larry Walker had a massive impact <laughs> on this country being one of the best baseball players to come out of our country. I mean, that should count on his impact on the game. Yeah, should I, it not? I do. And I think it does, Dean. I really think for the guys who actually vote on this, that is definitely part of the puzzle. Like, what is the guy, the legacy part? Right. I think is is not talked about as much, but in the back, these guys are base. The guys, these are baseball fans who vote. These are these are guys that love the game. They should and they realize love that, guys. Yeah. We've seen. Hey, man, there's you could look at guys who just don't get the votes, and you'll know why. Well, you look. At, you look at Clemens, Bonds. You look at those guys. They're out of there. There's a cloud around right. those guys, yeah. and it That's shows where that opinion comes in. Yeah, and when there's just these guys that are so good for the game, Larry Walker being one of them. Mm. Yes, I have to believe that definitely is a factor that needs to be considered. And if it's not, it damn well should be. And on the opposite of that, listen, I don't agree with Kurt Schilling and his politics or whatever, but I agree he's one of the better pitchers I've seen and should be in the Hall of Fame. Right, right. Yo, based on bloody sock, bloody sock alone. I mean, the bloody sock alone, man. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, I, and I think Barry baseball. Bond should be in the Hall of Fame too. And probably Roger Clemens too. Yeah, well, I wonder what we're going to see here as time moves on, if we get the steroid era involved in the Hall in of Hall Fame or not. Like that's Well, here's what I can tell you, and I'll, I'll take a hard stance here for you guys and for the listeners who might be on my side of this conversation. Um, again, Barry Bonds, Clemens, gray areas, right? Because there was yeah. never a true positive test. There was never, There's never conclusive. A rule. Well, there wasn't a rule for certain. Yeah. That's a big factor you have to consider. But then also, there was never really a conclusive 100%. This guy tested positive, like an A-Rod, or the guys that got caught, right? Yeah. Palmero. Right. Yeah. And all these guys who were actually proven to have used, proven beyond a doubt to have used. My humble opinion is, because I've been around these guys in virtually every professional sport, if you have been caught using at some point in your professional career, you are disqualified from any chance of ever entering the Hall of Fame. That's my opinion. And I, I stand by that because if you look at how um, the guys who go about the business the right way have committed or the way they, they have dedicated themselves to just playing the game, um, they, there's a, those guys deserve to be there the right way. And the guys that try to cut corners and legitimately do cut corners, that doesn't just affect the time of the window that they're actually using. Right. That can literally set your entire career on a different course. And plus, you know, the fact that it might get other players thinking of using to save their jobs. And I've had conversations with players who have lost their jobs to a player that was or somehow wound up on the dark side of the game. Yeah. So I know it's a tough conversation. You feel cheated. You feel cheated because they cheated. Exactly. Exactly. And so I take a, I personally take a hard stance there. Um, the the tough part is the guys where it's just innuendo mm -hmm. and there's no solid proof. That that conversation shouldn't even. If we don't have solid proof, it shouldn't even be a conversation. Okay. Well, there seems to be a lot of solid proof around the Houston Astros and sign stealing. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. Yes. From, there is. from whether it's like a, an orchestra going off in the uh, the upper deck or a, a train whistle or uh, whatever you like a strobe light going off. Uh, listen, 
if they would have won the World Series this year and that would have came out, oh, man. Oh, like man. I, I already uh, think the Dodgers should get the World Series yeah. uh, from Here a couple of years ago. Here but, we go. You know, but you're, you're <laughs> hearing pitchers saying, I was fighting a war I didn't even know I was fighting in. And that's a little bit of an extreme uh, way to say it. But yeah. pitchers are going in there having no idea that these guys are to be... Stuff has to roll. And listen, it has not been a good look for the Houston Astros. No. It has been a terrible look for the Houston Astros in the last few months. And this, you know, standing behind uh, what what happened with their assistant uh, GM or whatever it was, and he was saying those things, that's terrible. You, you boot that guy out. They did the right thing. At least with this sign-stealing stuff, they didn't jump to the conclusions you know, condemn the writer and things like that. They learned from their lesson, but it's another bad look for the Astros. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And again, it's not great for the game of baseball as well. But again, we will look back at this as one of those points in history where we might make a significant change to improve the game. I mean, what else else can we possibly do now? It's very difficult to go back and change what's happened. Uh, because you don't really know what the true impact of That's this was right. on can't. the games. It's impossible. Yeah. It's different than Ben Johnson. He, he, right. You tested positive, you're done. Yeah. Right? right. So, stripped. S- stripped. It's yeah. one race. Yeah. It's one race. 10 seconds, recheck. Okay, yeah, you test positive, done. Next guy. Next guy's yeah. up the winner. Yeah. But yeah. S- you're okay with sign stealing uh, as... It's an art as, form. As, as, as has been going game. on for yes. years, right? Yeah. But electronic, when, you, you. when you're getting into electronic and cameras and stuff like that, that's over the line, Smokey. Uh, I don't, I, I'm not the most moral, ethical guy. I'm not <laughs> trying to say, hold try, on. Wait, what? This, is a, this is a different show now, I think. Where I, what is that? <laughs> Let me come clean with everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this isn't one of those Dr. Phil reveals yeah. here or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> um, how like how can you as a hitter how i wouldn't i don't know i'm not in the in their clubhouse i'm not in that situation i get that like i don't know like if my buddy's flashing me from second he's base running and he's got a tip okay sure. but if we're relaying signs from a camera system the strobe lights going off and, and then and a buzzer and know, then one a, bang yeah. is this two bang is that, that? A cockatoo flies through uh, like, the infield like that straight up is cheating like that's cheating. Yeah, that's cheating the game and your opponent. We're sign stealing. That's an art form. Change your signs. Yeah. Don't make them so easy. Right. Like that. Part we, of the game is protecting those signs exactly, within the within the realms of the, game. Of the right. game. It's like we have to have like this infrared bubble around the plate that no signs can get. No, no cameras can get, penetrate the sign. <laughs> it's invisible. Like what are we talking about? But this here? was massive on a massive scale. Massive and they scale. were oh, they were working like a long time on they this had kind multi- of thing. They had multiple ways to do it. They yeah. had multiple sequences of banging yeah. and, and the chirping only good and, thing to come out of this is all the gifts and memes uh, of people <laughs> like uh, fastball to Altuve and yeah. you see like a marching band. Down the <laughs> that's the only good thing that's kind of come out of this. And, and as uh, we mentioned, gifts. hopefully they, they look back and make some real changes to this. Yeah. Yeah. And there'll have to be, it will have to happen. All right. Let's get into some uh, history class in just one second. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. A couple of things for this day in baseball history. 1965, uh, the Reds deal Frank Robinson to the Orioles mm. for Milt Pappas, Jack Balsoon, and Dick Simpson. Uh, the trade now considered among one of the worst in baseball history. 
was defended by Bill DeWitt, who was the uh, GM in Cincinnati, who claimed that Robinson was an old 30 uh, before he went on to win the American League Triple <laughs> Crown in his first year in Baltimore. So talk about blowing up in your face. Uh, 1977, Vita Blue was sent to Cincinnati for Dave Revering and $1.75 million in cash, and then it was cancelled, uh, saying this sends a bad message by uh, uh, baseball commissioner Kuhn, saying... Uh, smaller teams will not benefit. Uh, 84, this is kind of cool, at the Montreal Forum, the LA Kings draft Tom Glavin in the fourth round, 69th overall, this day in history, (laughs) ahead of Brett Hall and (laughs) Luke Robitaille. (laughs) Two guys are in the Hall of Fame. Tom Glavin gets drafted ahead of those guys, and uh, obviously he was a Hall of Famer in his own right uh, in baseball with 305 victories, but pretty, pretty amazing that Brett Hall and Luke Robitaille drafted after Tom Glavin, eh? That is incredible. Uh, speaking of the Braves, 1992, Greg Maddox signs the richest guaranteed contract ever given to a pitcher. You want to guess how much, how many millions of dollars? It was a five-year deal. So 1992, you're close. You're close. Yeah, a thirty. It's gonna be. I think it's lower than thirty-five. Yeah, twenty-eight million. Twenty-eight million. Wow. So he gets Back less. Up the Brinks truck. He gets less <laughs> than Strasburg is getting in one year <laughs> over five years. Back in uh, nineteen ninety-two. Twenty-eight million. Wow. Uh, this is a date I don't like. Nineteen ninety-seven. Oral Hershiser signs with the Giants, and uh, I, it was yeah, it was a really was... hard day that he would go and sign. It, it was like when Grant Fuhr signed with the Flames that time. Oh uh, right. And then um, another sad one, uh, <laughs> a, a, a guy that uh, you guys both revere, 2013, Roy Halladay signs a one-day contract and announces his uh, retirement. And um, man, that's a that's a guy that we were all fans of, and yeah. um, you know, uh, you know, knowing baseball players the way you do. Did you know Roy? Did you? Uh, well, we came up together. Yeah. So yeah, we were in the minor leagues together, and he got to the big leagues one year ahead of me. But I saw him on his debut. I was actually in the Sky Dome on his debut uh, in in the big leagues when he was a uh, September call up. Yeah, yeah that was that was like the nine nine and two thirds. Yeah. That is nine so and two thirds. I was there for that. So yeah, yeah, Roy Halladay, boy, man. Yeah, he came up in a lot of our baseball memories this year. Uh-huh. Um, his no hitter in the playoffs. I remember watching and. Uh, you got some good stuff, so uh, that's awesome. Okay, so Crusher, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, you know your experience in dealing with a lot of things in Major League Baseball. Um, you can find Jeff at uh, crushperformance.com and on Twitter at Jeff Crush. But the winter meetings are kind of going on. And you just got back from some. What are the winter meetings like? Uh, is is that just like where everybody brings a bunch of new ideas and you're 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 kind of pitching stuff to how things should be done or how's it work? Yeah. And I think it's a lot of idea sharing for sure. I mean, the teams are all together. They all got their suites. They've got their strategy sessions. It's a real important time of the year, of course, as you can imagine with the free agency and everything that's going on. But from a league standpoint, there's a lot of great things going on. And this year, you know, is a pretty unique year. There was the inclusion type stuff, you know, with, um, uh, the minorities mm-hmm. and the job positioning. And, and it's a really, really important part of Major League Baseball and what they're trying to do from a community standpoint as well. But they're really trying to set a tone there with the equality movement. Um, and then, of course, there's the sports science side, which has, you know, baseball traditionally being slow to adapt. Baseball, I can honestly say, is probably on the forefront in the professional sports when it comes to sports science now, mostly driven by the injury rates that we've been seeing going up in the minor leagues and in the big leagues for the last five, six, seven years. With everything that we know 
and the billions of dollars being invested in these players, injury rates are still on the rise. Huh. And as we try to work that angle on the big league scale, the problem really is well before any player signs in that dotted line. So there's a big, big issue in baseball. And that's some of the conversations that are going on in, in, at these meetings is how can you influence the game holistically, globally, even look what they're doing now with all of their events playing in London and Japan. Right. right? And, and so I think uh, uh, the winter meetings are really great. My part of this last year, I was lucky enough to actually present there. Nice. And they actually, you know, there's so many, there's, there's three, 400 of the smartest people in the world. And then they called me. I was in Curacao on assignment with Major League Baseball. I got the phone call from the guy saying, hey, Jeff, what are you doing early December? I said, oh, <laughs> I'm going to be home getting ready. Would you be interested in speaking at winter meetings? And I'm going, hmm, because it's kind of because I'm not affiliated with a team anymore. I consult with Major League Baseball, but it's right. very, very rare to have somebody outside of an organization speak. So it was quite an honor. And I'm going, what on earth would you guys want me to speak about? And they said, could you come in? We know how you are so dedicated to recovery and recuperation. Would you come in and talk about that? And I, you know, you're kind of thinking like there's three, 300 of the smartest people in the world in sport, yeah. at least in a minimum there. They wanted somebody to come in neutral, somebody that wouldn't defend their club or be a fearful of talking out of turn. So I said, yeah, I'll come in and unleash the beast for sure. So that was a true honor to come in and talk about the idea of recovery, regeneration, and share some new ideas that are going on there and, and, and integrating them. To this year was a really interesting one. Um, the medical meetings kick off the winter meetings, right? So mm -hmm. the medical staff gets together and they review the injuries. They rehash some of the injuries over the year and look at the surgeries. They also talk about what's new. And then on the sports science side, something that's developed over the last couple of years, the strength coaches and all the performance teams meet, are meeting at the same time. And this year, for the first time in history, the medical staff and the performance staffs, uh, today, as a matter of fact, um, I think it was the Monday of winter, first Monday of winter meetings, um, they're collectively getting together to talk about player health, performance, and longevity in the game. This never happened before. So the meetings are moving forward just like the game itself. How do we unlock injury prevention? How, like, I, I, I know there's not one key, but how do no, we, how do we there, improve there is, this? There, there is, there oh, is for sure. There we go. Good. Yeah, there is for <laughs> sure. And I, you know, we're, we're seeing some of it at the professional level already. So, you know, the, the, the Raptors in the NBA last year really started to talk about, you know, load management and all this stuff. That is not a new concept in any way, shape or form. It's not even a new term, but I'm glad it's in the public eye right now because that's a real key. If you look what's happening right now, fellas, at the developmental levels. If we are going to like look- youth? Youth. youth it's all about youth. Yeah. These guys are not breaking in professional baseball. They're not worn out by the time they get to the NHL. They're not getting worn out in the NHL or in the NBA. These guys are already worn out before they get there. And these injuries that we're seeing, they're not starting after they, begin their pro careers, they're already well, well on their way. It just happens that the intensity and the stress of profession or the time it takes to actually break down and just not be able to recover enough happens when they're pro. I can comfortably say this, and I say this in our show all the time, and I'm not sure if the listeners will agree with me or not, but I will stand from a mountaintop and, and say, Jordan, that we're probably destroying more talent than we're creating at the youth level right now. If you look at the injury rates when I'm talking age 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, the dropout rates are at an all-time high. The injury rates are at an all-time high. The, the number one growing surgery 
orthopedic surgery in youth is UCL surgery, Tommy John surgery. And I'm talking 10, 11, 12 year olds, every single medical office across the board. We are literally destroying talent. We're not really seeing, I don't believe we're really seeing the best players play. We're seeing a few of them and you know who they are. You can look at hockey right now. We know who the best players are. Sure. Those were pretty special players, but I'm telling you right now as a whole, we, we don't have the best players in the NHL. We do not have the best players in Major League Baseball because the best players have been worn out and already are broken and turned out the pasture probably before they even got to college or certainly before professional baseball. The problem we're seeing is at the youth development level. And 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 I think, you know, we've got to start thinking big picture. And it's not it's not that anybody is trying to trying to make this happen with the greatest of intentions. We're specializing early, we're overtraining, we're overscheduling. And that goes back to the conversation, I, I, my presentation last year with Major League Baseball. If parents want to do something great for their kids who love sport, start with this right here. If you want to, if you want to beat your competition, if you want to be your best, sleep your best. If you want to beat your competition, sleep better than your competition. It's not, we've got this peak by Friday kind of mentality guys and we're literally i promise you destroying more talent than we're creating with the greatest of intentions mm -hmm. so that's where we got to start because major league baseball there's the reason they're struggling the reason the because the, they have no control it's damaged goods coming in it's just a matter of who's going to survive sleep is uh is is amazing uh, i i can't tell you how much better I feel with my mental health that I figured out some of my sleep. I have sleep apnea. I have a, a CPAP machine. I wake up rested. It, it's 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 amazing uh, how little we regard uh, sleep in in our society. Uh, you know, some people live off three four hours. I don't know how the hell that they uh, how they do that. So. What do you like about some of the baseball development ideas going on right now? You just talked about some of the the problems we're facing. What do you like about some of the solutions? Look how prog look how progressive baseball is being right now. They added what three or four extra days rest last year. Four extra days into the calendar last year. So the last year was the first year I believe in four, maybe even five seasons that the injury rates in Major League Baseball went down, hmm. and it only went down four percent. But what happened that year? Well, they added four extra rest days. We don't know if that's an anomaly. We don't know even if that's connected yet, but it, it seems like too much of a coincidence to me not to have some kind of connection. So that's happening. The expansion of the roster, okay, is another big, big move in Major League Baseball. I mean, that's a, think about this. The owners and the teams are actually gonna add another roster spot. So not only, you know, on the business side, that's a big, that's a big decision to make. But on the player management side, now look at the options teams are going to have, depending how they use that extra extra player, right? And there's going to be more rest days. So those are some of the things that are going on. But I think, um, Dino, to answer your question, the commitment to the athlete development side has really, really made a game changer. So back in the day, my first year with the Blue Jays was 96, I think was my first full year. I was the first minor league strength coach wow. <laughs> for the Toronto Blue Jays. They didn't have a strength coach before I got there. And there were only three teams in Major League Baseball that had hired strength coaches at that time in the minor leagues. So you had a Major League strength coach and the athletic trainers were doing everything they needed to do, plus they were running the strength programs. Now, you look at the performance teams that are going on now. Mm -hmm. It is incredible. And it's really, really, really good. 
and that's one of the exciting things that that I believe is pushing the game forward. Um, and now we just got to put it all together. Mm-hmm. It's got to get down to the developmental levels. So how do we how do we find a balance at at the the youth levels? Like Canada, we we've implemented pitch counts, which they have started to do in the U.S. I mean, I've been down to youth tournaments and seen seen the dude throw game one, game four. Um, I used to do that as a kid, and that didn't help my arm for, for sure. I'm not saying that prevented me from the big leagues, but it didn't help because I had surgery in college that was something that had built up through my youth experiences, um, and we didn't know any different. So that's just the way it is. Uh, as we've learned and grown, and, and now it's you know the the mid twenty tens, twenty fifteen, we're getting into twenty twenty. Um, what are some of the things that we should be doing outside of sleep? And and I love that you mentioned that. I think that's that's a key to rejuvenation and and being fresh and being able to compete. What are some other things that we can do? Uh, let's say at the the twelve to fifteen year old level, because in baseball that's where we can. Uh, set the skill development, and then they can take that through 15 to 18. We want to set the right way to do things at that age, baseball movement-wise. What are some of the things that we can do to to help keep those kids on the field, to help improve them? Like how much work, how much games, how much practice, how much do we expose them to the game, and then how much do we say, go play soccer, go play basketball? Right, and that's everything you said there is so important, Jordan. You guys, listen, this is not an easy conversation, but if we just think about it for a second, okay, when we talk about human development over time, there's certain windows of opportunity as athletes are developing from the day they're born, moving through their development, whether whether it doesn't matter what sport they're involved in. So we know there's opportunities of physical development and cognitive neuromuscular development as well. And there's these there's these finite windows. There's a window for suppleness and tactile coordination. And there's a window for speed development and cardio development. If you miss those windows for whatever reason, you're specialized in one sport or you haven't had access to it or whatever it might be, you can't recapture that. Your ceiling of potential when you're 23, 24 at nine, 10, 11 years old drops and you cannot get it back. Or, or if you capitalize on these windows when you're nine, 10, 11 and 12, you might actually take away from the immediate outcomes in the game. Let's take talk baseball because that's our game. Your baseball performance might not be as good as maybe some of the other kids that have gone all in, but you're raising your stock at 12 years old. You're raising your, you're raising your future self. You're raising the ceiling of your future self. That's where we're missing the boat here. You'll be a better 19-year-old or a better 25-year-old be be than the next guy. Yeah. So so anytime a parent or an organization comes to me and let's say it's a group of 12-year-olds, as soon as I look at those 12-year-olds, I'm going, okay, what can we do to increase their potential when they're 18, 19, 20? And, you know, yeah. we're talking college now. So That's we're right. talking, you know, 15, 16, 17. But 15, 16, if you do things right, leading kids up to 15, 16, 17, you're really going to help them out. If they do fall in love with the game or if they do catch fire, you're going to raise their stock or their potential when they're 21, which is the average age. 23 is the average age for a player breaking into the big leagues. Right? Which which leads us to the Western Canadian Baseball League. It's a, a summer collegiate league. Um, by this point, you know, athletes are starting to specialize a little bit as they've decided, I, you know, I'm going to, that's give the time this, to do it. Yeah, sure. give this a shot. Let's talk about the, the importance of leagues like the Western Canadian baseball league, uh, the, the Edmonton prospects, uh, here in Edmonton, there's been a lot of, uh, debate, uh, the, the importance of developing baseball players, but also developing baseball in our area and yeah. continuing that. 
That that's the key. When affiliated baseball left Canada, what a massive gap. Mm. It's like when the Dodgers left Florida, right? Their Vero Beach, it was a massive it was a chasm, a baseball chasm the size of the Grand Canyon. It's like when the, the Dodgers okay. left Brooklyn. Right. And and the Giants right. left left uh, New York with this hole and, and same thing okay. happened here. It's a literal hole. It's a it's a cultural hole in the ground. And when affiliated ball left Canada, oh my gosh, you know, would it ever recover? I can't tell you the importance of the independent leagues. It's just such an important part of the game, and it's getting more and more important because now we're seeing the fact that it is a viable opportunity. It is part of the performance pathways now. And you can now, because there's such great leagues around, you can now start if a player has to go to a plan B or plan C, injury prevention, coming back, gets released, if if they're not quite ready yet. Now you could start planning the independent leagues as a legitimate pathway to see how far you can actually go. Because here's the deal, parents, coaches, athletes listening to this show, we don't know how good you can get until you go through a good process. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. Talk to Stubby Clap about that, yeah. right? And don't let anybody fill your head full of dreams until you go through a good process. We will find out how good you can be if you have a good process. That's why I love these leagues. I love them. Uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity, like Jeff said, for, for college athletes that are still uh, attached to eligibility to be able to come in and train and improve their game all in one place. Um, as our facility allows for that with the weight room in the clubhouse, uh, for the level of care that we put into our players and how we take care of them, um, nutrition, we're always upping our game as, as it is an expense for us uh, to continue to provide them the right nourishment um, sleep's a tough one in our league, especially when you sure. leave in Regina and you're coming back on the bus. But that's one thing I've noticed uh, since my first go around in the dub uh, in, in the early 2000s. I played 05, 06, managed 07, coached 08, 09, and then I got out of it, came back in. Um, the players, I wouldn't say are more mature. They're maybe more prepared to do some of the things Jeff is describing. Crush mm -hmm. is talking about sleep, recovery, rejuvenation. I think the guys I had last summer were more educated and more inclined to be willing to do those things than when I played. Like, who cares? Whatever. You know, be ready to play tomorrow. Um, and I kind of view that like a little bit more of the Mickey Mantle approach. It's sure. like, do whatever we want, show up, be ready to play at 7 o'clock tomorrow. That's your job and the strong survive. Um, where now we're seeing, and, and I had a couple guys last year that really paid attention to what they put in their bodies, what they when they ate, how they ate. That sleep on the bus, sleep in their in their dorms, like going. The, 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 they're not all going out and partying. Sometimes they they like to have some fun for sure. They're college kids, but they're also taking care of themselves on on some nights where they could easily just go out and mm -hmm. do their own thing. Like no, they want to perform tomorrow, and, and that's just part of what their new routines are. And the scouts are watching. I can tell you this with a hundred percent confidence. I mean, how many players have gone from independent ball now, not into affiliated ball, but straight to the big league? Scott Richmond is a is one of the greatest stories for independent baseball. But you know, if you look at the number of players who've actually now, uh, you know, either looked at it as a pathway because either college wasn't viable or maybe they didn't get a chance to sign pro, maybe they didn't make their national team. It is giving them a real legitimate shot to get seen, but also hone their skills. Because I honestly believe, even in the last three or four years, Jordan, you you can maybe attest to this or 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 agree with me here or not. Um, the the level of competition 
in the independent leagues is going up every single year. And that's about to change even more if this whole contraction thing in Major League Baseball happens. Well, that's, yeah, that's where I thought we should go next. And, and maybe yeah. you can lead us into, because you know a little bit more than I do about the, the contraction situation. There, there might be people that don't, don't even know what is going on. Yeah, so uh, the, there's a player's agreement uh, coming up, CBA. Uh, Crush alluded to that a little bit earlier. There's a new CBA coming, MLB, Players Association. It's coming. It's 2021. There's also uh, uh, a, a, an agreement. I'm not sure the, the parameters or the, the, the proper wording for it, but minor league MILB and MLB have an agreement together for minor league baseball. Right. And that's also coming up. And because of that, uh, we're now looking at uh, some of the stories that have come out is uh, Major League Baseball is looking at contracting certain uh, markets from minor league baseball, meaning they're going to eliminate some teams. They've suggested 42 teams are on the chopping block. Jeez, that's a lot. So 42 teams. That's a, I was just going to ask. And, yeah, and the reasoning is uh, part of the suggestion is uh, to eliminate some of the lower levels, uh, which we can get into the semantics of that community and what it means to a, a Chad Nugo's had pro baseball since the 1800s. Uh, but we'll stay more on the baseball side. So what they're proposing is, or how they view this as sellable, uh, these organizations obviously want to cut some money out of the bottom end. A lot of those guys never get close. Um, what they're going to do is they're going to shave off all those teams. Then they're going to take some of those younger guys out of college. Uh, they're going to kill the draft to 20 rounds. So they're going to leave the last. They're going to take those guys at the back end of 20 rounds, not 40 or 50 rounds. They're going to take them to their facility. At their facility, a guy like Crush is going to be there. The sleep guy is going to be there. The strength guy, the the nutrition guy, uh, the the Rapsodo machine, this guy, analytics, all that. And then they're going to retrain these players how their organization wants them to act, to be, to all that stuff. So they're going to take the actual art and sport of playing baseball out. Wow. And they're going to ship them off to a baseball camp hosted by their organization and indoctrinate them with their way of baseball. So it's interesting. You just went over some of the great things that we are doing to develop players today. And then now we're talking about this, which seems like two steps backwards from what we were just talking about, because you're, 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 eliminating some some players yeah eliminating jobs and you're eliminating the development right so we don't know how it's going to look yet it's going to be really really interesting to see how yeah. this unfolds in, in 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 the long run but um there's from major league baseball standpoint one thing they do want to do they want to pay the minor league players more so part of the part of the proposal here is they are going to eliminate some teams, at least the support for these teams. So they're not going to these these now um, um, affiliated will not be funded teams. by. Yeah, well said the right. support because they'll they'll end up turning into pockets of independent yeah. leagues. Yeah. Yeah. Right, which because you know in all these communities it's really important to keep. I mean, from in the from the big picture these little teams drive baseball on the ground because little mm -hmm. kids in a community, they can't get to a big league yeah. game. You know, they, they see these guys playing. So two things. One, Major League Baseball wants the minor league players to be paid more, rightfully so. Of course. Um, they also want to eliminate some of these facilities that just aren't right for developmental baseball players. And there's a lot of them out there. Number two, Jordan mentioned, or number three, Jordan mentioned it already. Only about 5% of those short season A teams, only about 5% of those players ever make it. 
And so, you know, are these players not ready? Is there too much pressure on them? Is there a better avenue to do it? And then number three, they also want to align the travel a little bit. So these teams are now going to be consolidated. So you're not going to have these 16-hour bus trips anymore. It's going to be smarter recovery. That being said, it's going to be a massive change in the baseball landscape. These teams will now be able to run an independent league. They're talking about a dream league, which would be somewhat supported by Major League Baseball or have an affiliation there, kind of like maybe the dream league in the NBA. These players will be closely watched, but these teams will now be able to operate as independent operators, independent teams. And so... Um, maybe taking the pressure off, but they're not going to be under the umbrella of the organizations. So it's going to be a massive shift in the looking landscape. Looking at quality over quantity then. A hundred percent. That's an internally. And and honestly, I, if five years ago, four years ago, if we would have had this conversation over a beer or a cold beer somewhere, I would have said, man, some of these kids, some of these kids should just never be signed. Or one of the problems we see is they, they sign internationally at 16 years of age. no, not 1920 maybe they can you know what i mean and this whole 16 uh, year old international signing is now forcing people to start looking at 12 13 14 year olds it's just a it's a it's (laughs) It's just so terrible yeah i saw a six-year-old swinging it on twitter it was vlad's little brother have you seen that (laughs) i saw it yeah i didn't see it yeah uh, crush mentioned the the 500 that's vlad's little brother will be the first Five hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what's Trout at? Where we at? 350, three fifty, three, three seventy, something. Yeah, three seventy something. Harper right? got three thirty. Yeah. So, so by by way of timeline, you know, we got to keep pushing up. Five hundred is a little ways away from three fifty. Man, Vladdy's little brother. You heard it here first. Okay, I'm breaking news. Twenty forty five <laughs> signs the first five hundred million dollar deal. Then this kid swings. He's six years old. Swings it. So yeah. Trout was 12, 12 years, 426 million. Oh, yeah, four twenty six. Right. 12 years. 426. So the next Trout. We're not that far away. Yeah, really? We're not that far away from 500. 36 million uh, <laughs> this coming season uh, per year. Crazy. Great uh, Crusher, work if you can get it. Yeah, this right, has been yeah. awesome. Uh, and we didn't get to all the stuff that we want to. It just means we'll have to have you back. Yeah, we're going to have to. We'll boys. do it again. But uh, for people that are looking for you, crushperformance.com. Uh, at Jeff Crush, a lot of cool stuff on your website. Yeah, a new website's coming out in the new year too. We've got Ooh. to, we've got to go to another level as well. Are you doing and your? Uh, you do that gift thing every year. Hey, it starts right now. It starts this week. The uh, gift for the athlete, and there's so many great things out there right now. And I actually, I'm quite surprised. There's been a little consistency in our list over the years, but there is some really cool new stuff. So the next two weeks, it is the Crush gift for the athlete coming up. Yeah, love it. My by far my favorite time of year. I like no those doubt. shows. Yeah. Yeah, crushperformance.com is where you can find all of that stuff. Thank you so much for coming out. Love it. Uh, thank you, as always. We'll chat on Friday on Sports and More Live. Yeah, and then uh, next week, uh, uh, we're, we're going to do a couple of best ofs over yeah, Christmas yeah. in uh, January because we had some really good shows. Yeah. Uh, so we want to uh, replay that. But uh, thanks, as always, Jordan, for coming out. We'll talk to you on uh, Friday on uh, Sports and More Live. You got it, Dino. Ban the shift. It's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game.